Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Where'd you fancy? What about the Herdswain's claim? On Juxton Street? No, it was shifted by the mists of time. It's on Plantation Row now. It's a bit of a trek. We could go to the King's Mind? Yeah, but they have Memory Game at eight, and we've missed the start. Hmm. What's that? Down there? I don't think I've ever seen that lamp-lit alley before. Something shifting. Look, that window wasn't there just now. I think I hear the sound of music. I sense light through pints a-shimmering. There's a terrible wind on outside. It's bitter. Mm. It's it's violent. And it's bleak in the streets. The blossom is being blown from the trees like snow. It certainly is, Robin. And what a metaphor for modern life. Yeah, I suppose. It blows blossom from the trees, not knowing its own violence, as I often say. I mean, it's very, very windy. Yeah, and it, it to just to sort of dig down a bit deeper into the metaphor. I think the wind is the internet and Blossom is people's sense of self-respect. Yeah, yeah, that's being blown about all the time, isn't it? You're right about that. But the chimney pots are rattling something. Mm. They're rattling something insane. Some cry from the hearth. And is that is that sort of Wi-Fi or is that... No, that's just wind and chimney pots. Right, we're not in the metaphor. No, that's just, that's real. But I did, I don't know if you noticed when you came into the moon underwater this evening, that the, the sound of the wind in the chimney breast, it's, it's making a very plaintive, mournful sound. Oh yeah, there's a kind of two notes going on, a kind of minor third, I would say, yeah. I thought it might have been a minor third... A, a bit like the Hungarian throat singing. No, Bulgarian. Ah. Well, no, it's fine. I don't know. The, you know, Bulg- Bulgarian. The, Bulgar- the, the the mysterious voices of the Bulgarian women's choir is quite an incredible sound, isn't it? I mean, it does sound a bit like that, the wind in the flu. Yeah, the wind in the flu, the wind in the hearth, the wind in the mind, let's not forget. The wind in the... 
willows. <laughs> so has the wind of the pint been blowing through your week, Robin? Yes, well, dare we say that we had a pint. Dare we say that the lovely Robin and I ventured to a beer garden this week in anticipation of the landlord's birthday, uh, which is coming at pace. The lovely Robin, the lovely Ruth, the lovely me, and the lovely Coco uh, went for a, a few pints in a beer garden. And I have to say, as I have um, probably made reference to before, there's a reason no one sits in beer gardens in the winter. Yes, it's too cold. Isn't it's it? <laughs> just too cold. There was a big um, pile of blankets, and you, were, you you kind of made a big show of sort of getting the blanket from the bottom because you thought it might have less COVID on it. Yeah, I thought it had, might have less COVID on it because COVID doesn't like um, sort of absorbent surfaces. Is that true? Yeah, so I'm guessing COVID would live least even if it was a case of 10 minutes of a blanket being sort of left on its own. Also, I think there's a double frustration in the beer gardens at the minute in that it's cold, but also because it's unseasonably cold. Part of you is thinking, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. Yeah, it's not fair. And also the problem is we might get the odd very hot day in the coming weeks before that you're allowed inside again. And you just know on those hot days... The, the, everyone's just going to be absolutely rammed. Ramo Cablamo, but then I, I'm i not... I don't know. My experience near me is that places haven't been rammed even... I mean, on, on warm days, they've been busy, but nowhere's been sort of... I suppose they can't be rammed, can they? No, you can't You can't ram a pub at the minute. Yeah. But uh, interestingly, though, in that pub, I had my first pint of Guinness for a long time. I, I find with Guinness, though, that... We talk quite a bit about Guinness. I think I I like the idea of it more than I do the actual process of drinking it. And, and maybe that is the true metaphor for this podcast. I mean, the reason we talk about Guinness so much is because it is by far the most popular choice of our guests. But the problem is, if for me, on a hot summer's day, Guinness extra t- cold is too cold. Mm. On a cold summer's day, sat in the cold... It's it it just it's too cold. I'm sorry, Guinness, if you're listening, it's too fucking cold. <laughs> Guinness, if you're listening, it is too cold. No one likes it. Oh, yeah, God, extra cold. I th- I think that's the thing. Is there, there's a big focus on cold drinks have to be cold. But also, Guinness was never warm. It was always sort of cellar cool. Cellar cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a big debate about you know when people say uh, serve red wine at room temperature. That's room temperature from. Like, you know, the 17th century or something, when it would have been cooler. So our concept of room has changed. And I think, have we mentioned this before? So white wine just below room temperature, about sort of 10 to 12 degrees, not fridge cold, which is three to five degrees. Yeah, I'm getting very into white wine recently. (laughs) You said you liked white wine so dry it was like licking a stone. Yes, licking a wet stone. I love it. I like that one. What's it called? Sarson. Sarson. Sancerre. Sancerre, yes. The Sancerre. It's beautiful. And I had a lovely Pinot Gris this evening. Did you? Yeah. That's different to a Pinot Grigio, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's spelt differently. Yeah, spelt differently. <laughs> Moves differently in the bowel. It really does. Moves differently in the mind. So we're very excited for this week's guest. Uh, but just to remind you, if you'd like to get in contact uh, with Robin and I, or The Moon Underwater, if you'd just like to write an email to the pub, 
uh, you can do so by emailing john at moonunderpod.com. And Robin, I believe you have a correspondence carrying on from last week. Yes, indeed I do. Uh, It's a lovely email from Lewis. um, And this follows on from the chat we had about Bristol pubs, particularly the Emporium. And he really goes into a few of our old haunts, as it were. Um, Hi, John and Robin. I have a a few vignettes of pub memories to share from various pubs around Kingsdown, arguably the area of Bristol with the highest concentration of excellent pubs. Jagree. Jagree. He says, you first reach the hair on the hill, easily missed but impossible to resist if you spot the dazzling green tiles on the front facade. I mean, the hair on the hill. Too many memories to count. I remember watching World Cup 98 in the hair on the hill. That's how long I've been going there. I think I've had a birthday in there. Or you definitely have. Many, yeah. But I love the Hair on the Hill. Beautiful little pub. I remember once your your dad sort of clocked me from across the bar and said to you, what, what's John doing? And you said, oh, he's just talking to his pint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so many fond memories of the Hair on the Hill. Beautiful kind of sense of, like a city pub that was a kind of escape. Just like up the hill from Stokescroft, but you feel like you're entering a slightly different world. I love that pub. Next is the inimitable Hillgrove. Stained glass, creaky benches, leafy garden and ales, ales, ales. Not leafy ales. A real contender for worst pub toilets on par with the Old England. Jugri. Jugri. Also, the worst thing about the Old England is, I've done quite a few gigs at the Old England. To get to the toilets, you have to walk across the stage. <laughs> it's one of those ones, uh, which is really bad. I remember spending an enjoyable birthday there. With more than a few sheets to the wind, the whole place suddenly erupted in sound as a Morris dancing group entered. Though usually an unspecified nuisance, the whole pub was on board and the performance felt special, like the troupe journeyed from place to place just to spread a little joy. I mean, that is superb. I mean, the Hillgrove, some more fond memories. Yeah, the Hillgrove is a bit like walking into a sort of an attic or a a, a living room from... 80 years ago that hasn't sort of it's it's moth-eaten in a really nice way yeah i mean i mean lewis mentions the creaky benches uh, the benches were in a state of tremendous disrepair do you know the story um there was a regular who said to the landlord jamie that he, i think he'd he'd had some terrible news he found out he didn't have very long to live and he said, before I die, I just want you to do up those benches. Really? Yeah. Oh and so, ja- yeah, so Jamie's done them up. And they are, oh. they're, all, they're all done up. Oh, that's very sweet. Yeah. But then the bloke came in with a clean bill of health. Really? Yeah. He was fine. It was win-win. Yeah, it was win-win. It yeah. wasn't a ploy just to get the benches done up, was it? If it was, fair play. Fair play. But you can only play that card once. No. Yeah, you're right. You don't want to be... The- maybe he's going around all the Bristol pubs getting them to do up their furnishings. Yeah. Or just I could maybe, if I get to play that card once... Once I could go to the pub and say, you know, bad news from the doctor. Could you change the Guinness Extra Cold for Guinness Regular? Yes, that would be a good shout. Yeah, and just say that to every pub in the universe. Yeah, but the Hillgrove, my God, the memories there. A lot of memories. Also, shout out to Jamie. When I lived in Bristol and uh, wasn't particularly enjoying the direction my life was taking, Mm. uh, he always used to... Shall we say, bend the rules as I sped home from a gig desperate to make last orders? Um, and, 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 it, and it was much appreciated. And the source of many uh, parking tickets on my car. Because I, would, <laughs> I would go there for one, stay for, stay for four, walk home, 
and forget that I need to move my car at 9am the next morning. Yeah, oh my God. I mean, so many. F- I, we used, I used to play in a band that practised in King Square, just down the road. And we used to go up afterwards to the Hillgrove. And it was, oh my God, just brilliant nights. But I remember we always used to practise on a Tuesday. And they did stay open quite late. I remember looking at this beautifully foaming pint of cider. and thinking, God, that looks good. And then checking my watch and it was gone midnight. We used to drink, uh, we called the Mungo Jerry's. Oh, yeah. Which was, uh, it was a double Sailor Jerry's topped up with Krabby's. <laughs> yeah. And it was about eight pounds. And we're talking naughty's prices as well. Yeah. Uh, it was too sweet. Yeah. Um, anyway, if you have any uh, pub eulogies, pub memories, <laughs> or pub desire episodes, uh, you can send them to john at moonunderpod.com. They don't have to be about Bristol. No, let's move on from Bristol. Yeah, we've been quite Bristol-centric. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're not only reading the Bristol ones out, they are just the, the two that have come in. So um, Yeah, but thanks for that, Lewis. You, you've, you've hypnotised me. Yeah, share your desire with us. But now my desire is to prepare the Moon Underwater for this week's guest, and I think we're all in for an absolute treat. So as I wipe down the bar, and I'm going to do a quick... I mean, it's only you and me ever in here, Rob, uh, <laughs> plus our guests, but we've we've left quite a few glasses around. Uh, so I'm going to go and collect at some glasses, and fingers crossed the dishwasher will be done by the time they get here. Well, Robin, it feels a bit like it's the realming hour. Yep, it's about 20 to 7. It is. And whenever the realming hour strikes at 20 to 7 every night, um, there's a certain frisson in the air, a certain strangeness in the in the molecules and particles. Yes, a, a vibration is happening. And it just makes one makes one begin to... Think about what bounty will the alleyways of the mind reveal unto our sen? Yeah, I mean, my sen particularly is looking forward to the bounty that is going to be revealed tonight. Yeah, <laughs> but it re- it re- the alleyways reveal bounty in their own sweet time. Uh, Sorry, but what, it, it, what are we talking about? <laughs> well, about, about how the alleyways of the mind reveal their bounty during the realming hour. Yes, yes. And the alleyways are real... But they're, they're kind of not real at the same time. Well, who is to say what is real and isn't real? But I tell you what looks distinctly real is that visage at the pub door window. And I think I hear a foot on the step. And it's Sarah Millican! Hello! Thank you for bringing me into your realm. Yeah, you've been revealed by the alleyways of the mind. I mean, that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, welcome to the moon underwater, Sarah. Pull up whatever seat you desire. What sort of seat do you like to sit on in a pub? I like a stool, but not a high one. The sort that you put a <laughs> so child a t- on. A tiny little, yeah, a tiny a little tiny stool, stool at the bar, just with your eyes not, over no, the bar. No, not at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> not like I'm trying to reach up and get a bag of crisps. No, uh, like around a table. I've only ever sat at a bar on holiday. <laughs> I don't. It's not, yeah, it's not very ladylike, John. Well, it's not as much of a done thing, is it? In America, everyone sits at the bar. Yeah, that's where I was. I did it in in Las Vegas uh, with lovely Tom Allen, 
we went to Las Vegas for my 40th birthday and I sat at a bar and I was asked for ID and I was 40. Oh. <laughs> and I was thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited to, to welcome you to the moon underwater because if I... If I'm thinking rightly, you don't actually drink at the moment, do you? I, I, a little, not very often, but occasional. So I'm not teetotal. It's not through some terrible thing that I've been through. I just, I got to a point where I got so ill after even going anywhere near booze that it wasn't worth it. And I was busy and I didn't have the time. Uh, when I got uh, divorced, I realised I had to start drinking again because I had to go on dates, which are, I mean, almost impossible without at least one drink inside of you. But now I'll have the odd shandy. I like a shandy. And I had, what did I, we had... Um, we had champagne at Christmas and uh, both Gary and I, who doesn't really drink much either, had about half a glass of champagne and felt really drunk and it was great fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a very cheap date. So back when you were a more regular drinker in your 20s, what, where where was that taking place? What, where were you living and, and what sort of pubs were around? That would have been in South Shields in Tynanweir, where I'm from. And what you would do is you would start drinking at the pub near me. That was where a lot of people started their sort of pub crawl. It was never, you never sat in. There was something really square about you if you had more than one drink in a pub. <laughs> so you would start, <laughs> really? yeah, or massively. So you would start at a pub near me. Uh, which I often used to have first dates at because it wasn't very far in case it wasn't working out. <laughs> I could go home really quickly. And also, if you're only having one drink, you can just kind of uh, skidaddle after that one drink. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I've got I've got stuff to do, you know. Yeah. Um, so you would start there and then you would get the bus or a taxi, if you're feeling flush, into South Shields and then you would start at the town hall and work your way down. So it's a, a sort of a bank all the way down and you'd go in pubs all the way and then you do a, maybe a nightclub. And then if the usual choice was you could either afford a McChicken sandwich or a taxi. And we'd always have a McChicken sandwich and then walk home. <laughs> because oh. that was the better option than just getting a taxi hungry rubbish. But yet so many terrible pubs. But it was all about momentum. You'd only have a drink in one pub yeah. and then you'd be on your way. But often that would be a triple whiskey. <laughs> so... That was that was my tipple of choice. One of the secrets to, a, I think, a good pub crawl is not allowing yourself to linger too long in one pub because eventually you go floppy and decide you can't go, you can't move. Not not necessarily through intoxication, but just through sort of you get a bit of fatigue. Whereas that that burst of cool air sort of acts like nature's Red Bull in many ways. <laughs> really does. Although I was once so incredibly drunk and I was with my sister, we decided to go outside for fresh air and sat outside of the closed public library uh, on the benches where the nanas sit and not at that time of night, obviously, and uh, and got increasingly more drunk because of the fresh air. So it has to be a quick burst of fresh air. It can't be prolonged. And, and that's why we didn't ever, t you never took a coat. Even in December, you never took a coat because you'd just be taking it off all the time and holding it and carrying it. And that's no good because you've got to have... Well, this is what I was going to say about your, your choice of bar stool is where are you going to put your coat? But 
you've already answered my question. No coat. Yeah, no coat required. <laughs> no jacket required. <laughs> well, quite. And also, I mean, pretty much a Geordie cliche, <laughs> but, yeah. but based on fact, <laughs> so allowed. Uh, stereotypes yeah. come from somewhere, yeah. don't they? Uh, so, yeah, so you would never have a coat. And if somebody came out with a coat... You try and lose them because they just be standing holding their coat the whole time. And no, you have tiny clothes on and uh, a big enough handbag to get your rape alarm and your set of keys in and 20 quid because that's generally all you need. Because I was really good. There was one bar that had like a, a game that you pressed a buzzer and a light flashed along all of these options. Uh, and I generally would get a, tri- a treble whiskey for like a pound or a treble for the price of a single or, and, and I was really good at that. So skill gave me much alcohol for few pennies. <laughs> was it a game of skill or was it a game of luck? It was a game of chance. And I I think all <laughs> of the options were pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But that was also the place where you took a bit of a chance. It was called the Biz Bar. And it was a bit of a chance if you decided to have a glass because you were always warned by like previous generations of drinkers in your family that you should just have a bottle and take your own straw because otherwise you'd get crabs. That's what they said. <laughs> so you got a cheap whiskey and an STD at the same time. So what was the this first pub that was near you that you got the bus from do you remember what it was called and what it what it was like what sort of pub it was it was called the west park hotel was never a hotel when i first was aware of it being a pub it was an old man pub glorious so lovely and you just see we'd watch at 11 at all of the old men come out of the pub and sort of sway their way down past the park and it was lovely. And then it got taken over and became quite a snazzy sort of sort of modern bar. And now it's a Sainsbury's, <laughs> of course. Oh, um, but the West Park oh, was where... Oh, R.I.P. Yes, it's Rest such a shame. Pub. Such a shame, the West Park. But it was really lovely. And they did, they did a good Sunday dinner on a Sunday. And it was the starting point of all of my pub crawls because it was... I mean, not when it was an old band pub, but luckily when I came of age, it became quite snazzy and uh, trendy. I wonder if a better word. We're going to come on to perhaps what uh, pubs are like now as a as someone who drinks less or doesn't really drink at all in pubs. But first, uh, I can't wait to hear your choices, given your the two sides of the Sarah Millican <laughs> pub coin. Uh, because you, we start off with two draft options in your pub, Sarah. So what are they going to be? So my draft options are going to be, uh, firstly, Coke, uh, full fat and happy with it being quite watery. Like, you know, when sometimes they say, do you want draft or do you want a bottle? And you're like, no, I'll have draft. I'll have it really, really diluted. <laughs> That's fine by me. Ice and a slice? Um, Yeah, if it's offered. It's not a deal breaker. Uh, because generally I know that it's come out of a system that's quite cold anyway. I used to work in a cinema and we used to have these big boxes of the syrup that we had to connect before it went through the machine. So I'm well aware of what it looks like going in and coming out. So I would have Coke, but I would also have a bitter because if I'm going to have a shandy, I like a bitter shandy. And I was once on the last on my last tour, I was in Canada and uh, we went to uh, Banff, which is the place everybody tells you to go to if you go to Canada, which is just 
picturesque and these incredible views. But it was so busy, we ended up staying in a place called Canmore, which is like their sort of less touristy nearby town. And we went into this pub, which everything stopped when we walked in. It was one of those pubs. And we walked in and I thought, how am I going to... It was a night off from the tour and I thought, how am I going to explain a bit of Shandy to somebody in the <laughs> middle yeah. of nowhere in Canada? <laughs> yeah. So I tried to explain it. And I managed because the barman was from South Shields. <laughs> it was no he wasn't even from Newcastle. He was from South wow. Shields because he, because I obviously hadn't said who I was or anything. I just ordered the drink, and he said, "Yeah, oh yeah, oh I we can do that like that." And I was like, "Hold on a minute." <laughs> He's not Canadian. And he went off and he came back and he went, how's your tour going then? And uh, and I said, where in South Shields are you from? And he was from, you know, like two blocks away from my parents. <laughs> so it was so unlikely, but I got a really good bit of shandy, which is nice. So I would have, I'm not that choosy on what bitter. So what I would have in the house is probably like a John Smith's. So I'd have a John Smith's and I'd have a Coke as, as my drafts, please. So do you make shandy at home? Yes. So we'll either have John Smith's. I do occasionally have a nice pale ale with a lemonade. And that is very Ooh. refreshing. And Gary will have... Gary's a cider man. So he'll have a cider. But it's so rare. And what what we find... You know when you do a... Cha- John will know this. When you do a charity gig and they give you... And they're like, oh, obviously you don't get paid because charity gig. And you're like, of course. And they're like, have a bottle of champagne. And you're like, oh, okay. And I was once in Edinburgh at the Fringe. And I did that lovely charity gig at the festival theatre for the uh, one of the AIDS charities and they gave me a bottle of champagne and I was running to do as you always are in Edinburgh another four gigs you know so I went into I had a 20 minutes spare and I went into the chip shop next door and I said to the man I ordered some chips and I said do you drink champagne and he said what and I was like do you drink champagne and he said sometimes and I just passed it over the counter and he went you can't leave that here and I was like it's for you and I, and then the next day the same thing happened and I gave it to a taxi driver and I was just delivering champagne wherever it was <laughs> because it's a it's it might you might as well give me a bottle of petrol it's in fact a petrol would be more useful <laughs> it's useless yeah. to me and all we do is we build them up in a cupboard and then when somebody buys a house or has a baby or <laughs> we go in the present cupboard and we give them a present but it's that sort of thing is kind of wasted on us so we do have some booze in the house but not loads so not only are you touring comedian sarah and we're going to talk about your tour in a second but you're also a carvery aficionado i love a carvery <laughs> I've gone quiet. Why have I gone like? Oh, this is oh, wow. Yes. Um. Yeah. So your your dream pub is it going to contain a carvery? And if so, what makes or breaks a carvery for you? Okay. Um. When we go to carveries, we'll go at a time when there isn't. I don't want to queue. I'm not queuing. Um, so I don't mind queuing with the people I'm with. So there's a bunch of uh, comics uh, go for a carvery in the Midlands between Christmas and New Year. And we usually take over the extension of said pub. And we're very loud. We're that group that you hate when you're in the pub. <laughs> but when you're in it, you feel popular and happy. Um, and I don't mind queuing with those guys. But I don't want to queue with strangers for them to be listening in to find out what meat I'm having. So ideally, I'd go at three in the afternoon when there's nobody there. When you enter a carvery and you're looking at the selection, so you don't have to queue, what makes your heart sing and what makes your heart sink? 
nothing makes my heart sink because it's a choice. So even if there was something there that I didn't like, I could just opt out of it. Um, sprouts would make my heart sing because you don't always see them. Love a sprout, preferably overcooked, boiled to within an inch of its life, which always makes me happy. Um, and I think... So I've got a friend who his wife is vegetarian, so he doesn't have much meat at home. So whenever we go out for a carvery, he will have a supersized plate with extra meat and pay the extra 50p or whatever it is for extra meat. I'm not bothered about that. I'm, I'm always going to be more keen on my veg. Piles and piles of vegetables. Um, and yeah, carvery, I mean, it's they're really hard to beat in terms of speed. Sometimes when Gary and I have gone for a carvery, they say, they come over and they say, you having the carvery? And we go, yeah. And they go, well, just get your drinks. And they haven't brought the drinks back in time. <laughs> and we finished our meal. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that, the um, the mix of the condiments uh, in a carvery. It's like, why not have some horseradish with chicken? You know, just mix things up. You there's know. no rules. There's, there's no, no rules. rules in a carvery. Yeah. But whatever you do, don't be the guy who puts the mustard spoon in the horseradish bowl. Because you... You get a lot of condiment mixing oh, that goes on. I mean, what are those people like at home? Your dream, your dream pub would have a carvery, and but how would it be laid out? What sort of vibe is your pub? It's um, spacious. I don't like being able to, to to either listen in on somebody else's conversation or have them listen into mine. Um, it would largely be empty because I'm not great. I just don't really like other people as much as I like quiet. Agreed. Tick tick. <laughs> there would be some ambient music. So, but like low level, so that you could sneak out a fart and nobody would know. So not that quiet that that would echo around the room, but also so that you can hear each other talk because it is a place for talking. It's not a place for dancing. Fart level music is such a perfect <laughs> description of the ideal level of music in a pub. And with the sprouts going as well, that's also kind of the smell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your favourite? Does it exist? Pour me an ale. Are pubs real? Pubs in the distance. Pubs real? So we come on to your next choice, which is your two bottles. What are you going to have, Sarah? So, well, I think this pub should represent me through all of the ages. So I'm going to pick two bottles from my teenage sort of 20s era. And I'm going to pick Hooch. <laughs> nice. Um, and I'm going to pick... Um, now, this is a bigger bottle, so this probably doesn't count as a bottle, but Mirage. Now, you two are both too young to know Mirage. Oh, do you know Mirage? No, I'm just lit taboo up. and Mirage. <laughs> I love them. I, my I was, mum used to have taboo. Yeah. Oh, I'm not the same age as your mum, though. <laughs> no, you're the same age as me, because I remember it when I'm I was not, a kid. I'm older than you. I but, remember them, um, but what were, what were they? What was Mirage? So I didn't. Rob and I didn't know until fairly recently when I thought, I 
wonder what's in them. I had no idea. I was a whiskey drinker or occasionally something that was alcoholic that tasted a bit like pop, which, I mean, when you're that age, is the ideal. Uh, Hooch, obviously, was lemon. Um, and Mirage and Taboo, they were, um, I googled it, they were vodka and white wine, which is quite potent for being, you know, 19, and, uh, and either exotic fruit or... N- Presumably not exotic fruit. Not exotic. <laughs> now I know what qualifies as exotic because I, when I had to start at the beginning of the lockdown, I had to start getting food delivered. I couldn't find kiwis on the Asda app, <laughs> and it's because they're in exotic fruit, which. Just <laughs> um, so I think it must have been kind of a lemony, appley sort of thing for the mirage. But I didn't drink taboo. Taboo was for the more confident girls. I had a friend who drank taboo. Was it? Yeah, she she drank. Taboo taboo and and she was she was a great woman but she'd go into the toilet uh, in the pub she'd vom everything up and then she'd come back up and that's that's my if that happens to me i'm going home then did you drink it on its own or with ice or with a mixer lemonade lemonade Lemonade. it's interesting because i think spirits companies and liqueur companies have realized it's almost impossible to invent a new spirit or liqueur so, which is why you see the old ones being rebranded, like Aperol Spritz or Disarono. It's very hard to create a new spirit because they all end up sounding and looking like projects from The Apprentice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Decadence. <laughs> <laughs> they sound like team names in The Apprentice, don't they? <laughs> they really do. You can imagine Alan Sugar going. The UK drinks industry is worth £50 billion a year. I want you to come up with a new liqueur to appeal to a new demographic, and you end up with Taboo and Mirage. (laughs) Uh, But fantastic choice. So far in uh, Sarah Millican's Dream Pub, which is large, quiet, and with music loud enough to disguise a fart, but not so loud that you can't hear each other talk, we've got uh, full-fat Coke on draft, alongside John Smith's. And we've got two wonderful blasts from the past with Hooch and Mirage. But now it's time, before we go to the advert break, to hand over to Mr Robin Allender, who's going to host this week's Moon Underwater pub quiz. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thank you, John, and welcome to the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. Are you a fan of a pub quiz, Sarah? So, it's not something I've done regularly, apart from once in my life. So when I got divorced, I... I was a mess and I I filled every moment of every day. I had a full-time job. I did five days a week. I had a Saturday job in Waterstones uh, where they'd give me maps to tidy up because I definitely looked lost. And in my breaks, (laughs) I'd stand in front of the self-help books thinking, somebody help me. (laughs) And every night was filled and I'd go and see play recordings and play readings and all sorts of things. And Sunday night was just wide open and I had nothing to do. And one of my very oldest school friends said, we didn't 
do the pub quiz. Do you want to come to the pub quiz? And I was like, yes. So we used to go and have a Coke all night because we didn't have any money. And I'd take a bag. One of us would get ba- a bag of, of sweets and crisps and we'd have them stashed underneath the table. And if I may tell you a story, there was... um. So my friend and her boyfriend would the three of us would go and then one time he he brought on a, a bloke from work who was known as <laughs> Billy with a big knob. Now uh, he was much younger than me. I wasn't in any place to be looking for a date. He thought we'd been paired up. We definitely hadn't, and he was being quite suggestive throughout the whole night. And it was just he was just a dick and not in a good way. So. There was one lovely uh, section of the pub quiz when the uh, the questions that were being asked were phrases. They gave you the letter of each of the words and then a clue. And I said to my friend, uh, should I get the stuff out? Should I get me bits out? That's what I meant. And I meant like cream eggs and quavers that I had stashed in a bag. And this uh, Billy with a big knob said, oh, if you don't mind, like su- suggestive. And the, 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 <laughs> the quiz question that came up was N-A-H-I-H. And me and my old friend of 30 years turned to each other and went not a hope in hell and it was a beautifully timed moment <laughs> <laughs> and he never was salacious towards me again <laughs> oh that's good you taught, you taught billy with a b bk his lesson exactly like it doesn't matter if you are you know 22 and devoid of a personality it doesn't really matter what you're packing just so you yes know. <laughs> thank you thank you um, anyway, so yes, the, this this pub quiz this week um, it's about one hit wonders. So I'm going to ask three questions. This is for the listeners at home, and Sarah, of course, you can you can play along as well. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read out the questions, then after the break I'll go through the answers. So uh, you know, put your phones away unless you're listening to this on your phone, in which case just chill out. And there are no prizes except the prize of fun. Okay, so what I'm going to do is. <laughs> Yeah. That's a terrible what? prize. <laughs> what fun! Fun is great. Smugness that you've done well is better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the smugness of doing yeah. well in the pub quiz. So uh, one hit wonders. So question one: What one hit wonder am I? And what I'm going to do is read out a, a sample lyric from a one hit wonder, and you've got to work out what the song is. So what one hit wonder am I? Touch my bum. This is life. Touch my bum. Touch my bum, this is life. An easy one to start off with, perhaps. Touch my bum, this is life. Okay, question two. What one, what one hit wonder am I? The lyrics are, pungent smells, they consummate my home. Sounds like your pub, Sarah. <laughs> beyond, the, beyond the black horizon, trying to take control. See my girl, she shivers in her bones. The sun and zenith rising, trying to take us all. Sounds like ring- Blake. Yeah. <laughs> Does it ring any bells? Pungent smells. Not as they much as the first one did. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. Last question then. Question three. What one hit wonder am I? Confused. Don't know what I'm feeling. Confused relationships without meaning. In the mist, I can see you gleaming. Time to wake up and stop the dreaming. Mm. Well, there you go, folks. Three very, very poetic, very differently poetic one-hit wonder uh, questions there. And we will be back after these notices. If you want to avoid the notices and have them replaced with some beautiful ambient music from the lovely Robin Allender, you can uh, subscribe to us on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash moonunderpod, where there are also many top-level benefits 
including but not limited to an extra podcast of content from Robin and I every month and advance uh, warnings on live tickets. So we will see you back after your own personal break. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to The Moon Underwater. We have been strung up high in the high mists of the realm clouds on those tenterhooks from uh, Robin's pub quiz. So, Rob, take us through it. Thanks, John. So, yes, we were, well, our quiz was on one-hit wonders. Um, so the first one was Touch My Bum, This Is Life. Did either of you, <laughs> how did you get on with I that? I know this one. Can I pause in? Yeah. <laughs> Is that all right? Is it <laughs> that was um, a great noise. Thanks. It's one of my skills. Uh, that was the Chicky Girls. Yes, very and good. I think the song was called We Are the Chicky Girls. Um, the, ch- the song was called Cheeky Song, open oh. brackets, touch my bum, close brackets. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, oh. I hope, how they pitched it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, great song. I listened to that on my new really expensive headphones. I wonder if anyone's ever listened to touch my bum on this particular <laughs> the brand of headphone anyway question two was pungent smells they consummate my home beyond the black horizon trying to take control won't do the rest did that ring any bells for you absolutely no idea yeah me neither it was spaceman by babylon zoo oh <laughs> well there's a, there's a song to drink mirage to it really is isn't it yeah pungent smell the word use of the word pungent very odd Okay, another another good one. What one hit wonder am I? Confused, don't know what I'm feeling. Confused relationships without meaning. In the mist, I can see you gleaming. Time to wake up and stop the dreaming. Ring any bells? I'm enjoying the rhymes. Yeah. But I don't it's know who of, it is. I haven't got a clue. Baby Cakes by Three of a Kind. Do you remember that? Not sure I do. Nope. You what know, Baby that, Cakes. Robin? I just don't know. About 2003, four. It's kind of UK oh. Garage one hit wonder. I stopped it's, listening it's a, to new music before then. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really genuinely love that song. But uh, so check it out. But very well done if you got those at home. And uh, thus endeth the quiz with uh, Sarah winning. Because I don't think you got Cheeky Girls, did you, John? No, I, I got absolutely zilcho. You didn't even get Touch My Bum. I didn't get Touch Your Bum. Mm, okay. <laughs> this is life. <laughs> So 
superb pub quiz from Robin, and we're about to find out what uh, Sarah Millican's two spirits she's going to be uh, adding to her dream pub. But we did mention that people could get uh, advanced tickets by subscribing to Patreon for The Moon Underwater. But Sarah, what a year everyone has had in comedy with tickets and tours, but you especially have been rescheduling like an absolute trooper. Well, we've only technically rescheduled once um, because we didn't announce it till really late because I know some people announced it and then had to shift it. And people, do you remember back in back in the mists of time in March 2020 when people had to reschedule and they were like, well, I mean, August will be fine. <laughs> yep. And then they were like, well, November will be fine. So we were supposed to start in January, uh, but we didn't announce that. And then we were supposed to start in May and in November that looked pretty good. Uh, and then now it's been pushed back to July. So it's it's only actually one shift according to the public, even if we've been shifting it backstage a little bit more. But like a sort of a swan serene on the surface of the couple yeah. of social media posts <laughs> underneath, there is a team of people going, oh, God bless oh, well, what do you think will happen by September? Well, what about November? I've got a diary that has... Uh, previews in January starting in February crossed all crossed out and then previews in April starting in May all crossed out so I have to give myself codes like circle it and that's the current date or <laughs> highlight it in orange and that's the current date so it's supposed to start July the 1st and because obviously normally when you start a tour you start with smaller venues and they're closer to home and and no uh, we're starting in Cornwall because of <laughs> the way it's panned out um, so it starts in July July 2021 and it it currently finishes, I think, October 2022, maybe, I think. Your approach to touring is a bit like it has a mirror in pubs. In the, One of my favourite pubs in London is is too small. It's, it's too small for the amount of people in there, but that's what makes it a great pub. It's called The Harp. And if you go there at the wrong time, you're just stood wedged in, waiting 10 minutes at the bar... However, if the owners of the harp said, do you know what, there's a hundred people waiting outside to get in, so why don't we just move this to an enormous barn? <laughs> You've lost what make that pub great, so it's better to sell out a small pub than to have a half-full big pub. Always. And nobody's in that pub thinking, you know, you if you're in a pub that's half full at peak time, you just think, oh, it's not very popular then. You don't think, oh, they've obviously moved from a smaller one. And, you know, you don't think of all that backstory, do you? And I think I just, I love being in, you know, a 2000 seater where they're all the way up to the ceiling and there's giggly, lots of giggling happening in the queues and the ladies, because obviously I have a slightly larger than half, I would say probably 60% women. And I did get a message once backstage saying, your audience are kicking off. And this is in somewhere like Portsmouth. And I thought, they, my audience don't kick off. They're not big drinkers. They often take a bottle of water from home in their handbags. They've got a cardi in case their arms get a chill. This is my this is my audience to kick off. And it was because they'd run out of ice cream in the interval. <laughs> and there'd been a fight. <laughs> and I thought, oh yeah, that's very on brand. <laughs> So we move on now to your spirit selection. So um, I'm guessing that as a current sort of minimal drinker, are we reaching back in, down the long vista of your youthful drinking? Yeah, like one long and one not too long. So one would be whiskey and 
cheap whiskey at that. So not a posh whiskey, not a Jack Daniels. Tastes like perfume. No thanks. Uh, <laughs> like a Teachers, like a Bell's. Oh, lovely. <laughs> can I can and, I put Teachers? Because I've got a soft spot yeah. for Teachers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I think it's because the advertising used to be very kind of uh, powerful in the eighties, didn't it? For Teachers, yeah. it was kind of like your idea of what whiskey would be and you taste it and it's horrible when you're younger and that's what it tastes like and also it, it's the same as like sometimes expensive things are wasted on me because i'm used to cheaper things so like if we go to a steakhouse i'm gonna get like a minute steak i'm not gonna get a ribeye or something really fancy because it's waste on me because i'm probably gonna put ketchup on it and <laughs> get thrown out <laughs> so i mean all i really want is just a burger probably but it's the same like if i if you give me something you know a really expensive whiskey i will not notice any different i'll put lemonade in it i'll knock it back <laughs> and it'll be completely wasted so a bottle of teachers or, or it teaches on 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 the spirits and the other thing i think so when gary and i first got together um i would have the odd pink gin and it wasn't like you can buy pink gin now, which I didn't know. But this was made and it was gin with, I think, um, Angostura bitters and some like a pink grapefruit juice. Because obviously you've got to make it taste like pop. <laughs> That's my rule. So, <laughs> I mean, to go from to go from whiskey, which tastes, I think tastes like diesel. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just tastes like pure alcohol. Um so I so I would have pink gins when I was out with Gary when we were flirting and dating and all of the lovely early stages, and we once uh, went drinking quite early in the afternoon, which is not very me, and we went to a pub that didn't have it, and uh, so he so Gary described what was in it and explained how and he'd never made it before, but he just knew what the ingredients were and they made one and and it was really early on in our relationship and I just thought it was really charming. So I think I'd have a pink gin. I'd so therefore gin for the pink gin. So a pink gin, an original pink gin was just gin and Angostura bitters. So it was absolutely I've tried to make it once and it is undrinkable because it's just gin. And if you read Patrick Hamilton, the women always drink pink gin because that was the the spirit that sort of women were allowed to drink in in London pubs at the time. So the woman in, I think, the Slaves of Solitude drinks pink gin when they go and, and she describes sort of how she can tell this guy is interested in her because he keeps buying her pink gins. But <laughs> but we're going to add, are we adding grapefruit to this? Is that the, the sort of the Millican pink. Yeah, just to make, because often I think things are, do you know, I don't know if a kangaroo is something that is universal, but an ex-boyfriend of mine went out and had a kangaroo, which is where they get a pint glass and they go along all the optics and then they put black currant in it. And he had three or four of those on a night out and I was cleaning it off every room, every every surface pretty much, there was a bit of it on and obviously black current was really badly and we were living in a rented flat at the time so i was up till god knows what our cleaning basically fancy ribena but that i mean that just sounds the reason they've put the black current in though is because that would taste foul wouldn't it and that's maybe what they've done with a pink gin is putting put something in it to make it taste less strong super so that's teacher's whiskey and pink gin so are we just going for a gordon's gin and like a house gin yeah, just a, a commoner garden. 
gin, please. And then the lovely big labelled Angostura sitting at the bar as well. Mm. Oh, yes. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. We now, having spoken about Patrick Hamilton, uh, take a little seat in the pub library to find out what Robin is adding to our collection today. Thanks, John. Yes, uh, so every week I add a new book to the Moon Underwater Pub Library. So this week it's a book which is really interesting, actually. It's a kind of history, kind of social observation book, I suppose, called Shakespeare's Local by Pete Brown. And this is about... Have you ever been to the George Pub in Southwark? Oh, don't know. Don't think so. It's quite close to, like, Borough Market around there. But anyway, that's been around since the 17th century, so the book kind of kind of presupposes actually must be earlier than that but it kind of think imagines that Shakespeare would have gone there for a pint because it was like in the theatre district and it's also the pub that was um, frequented by Dickens and it features in Little Dorrit and it also may have adjoined the pub called the Tabard which is the tavern from which Chaucer's pilgrims embarked on their Canterbury jaunt so it's kind of got like so many did you historical say, say Canterbury Tales. <laughs> I did, yeah, on their tales. <laughs> where they, um, yeah, so it's kind of got loads of historical and literary associations. But this is just a really lovely and if you're interested in London and history and this idea of kind of a city beneath the city, beneath the city kind of thing, it's a really lovely description of time passing in London. So he's imagining sitting in this pub in the seventeenth century. Time begins to accelerate. As you watch people and coaches become a blur, your vision flashes as day follows night follows day follows night in fractions of seconds. You can't follow events anymore, or even the seasons of the years as they fly past. It's all moving so fast now, the only narrative you can follow is that of the buildings. What you had until now thought of as permanent structures start to change and evolve at alarming speed. You see them grow higher, stand around for a bit, then disappear. A brief flash here and there, and some are reduced to piles of blackened ash, only to be replaced by something bigger an instant later. Now a great metal road sweeps in from the horizon, cutting swathes through the street and filling the air around you with steam. Tall chimneys thrust up along the riverbank, spewing smells and gouts of noxious gas, and for a while the air is hazy and choking. Then you sense objects whizzing past you in the sky, and for half a second it seems the entire city is in flames. Most of your reference points disappear and then the building materials start to change and the buildings rise higher than you thought possible, all glass and steel, until one particularly large and pointy one shoots up past you, almost taking your eye out and everything stops and you're here now in the 21st century. Along with everything else you know, much of the Georgian has disappeared but incredibly the wall you drifted through just a minute or two ago is still there, as are the galleries, the coffee room and all the rest of the main south wing of the inn. One by one its neighbours fell away, but in the blizzard of time travel you have just endured, the George was a constant. Around it everything rose and fell, higher each time before crashing back to earth again countless times, while somehow the George remained there, fixed, unmoving, though not unchanging. Oh, it's so lovely. It's very nice. I love so that. So lovely. It's lovely that, though, because it really sums up what it's like. I mean, not, not just London, but I do think particularly going to London pubs where you get that real sense that this building has been here for centuries... I think it's a really lovely year. One of the many reasons pubs are important to communities is because they're, they're our, they are our museums of our towns and our cities and our villages because they hold history in them 
And it might just be a few faded photographs of what the high street looked like 200 years ago or whatever. 200 years ago, 100 years ago. But they are the sort of monuments we visit the most often. Oh, they're much, much better than museums as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but most people, if you live in a small market town, there will be a museum somewhere and it'll be kind of the size of a shop and you may never go there, but you may go to your local, which has been there for two or three hundred years, once or twice a week. But also if you said to somebody, if somebody was visiting you, uh, staying over and you said, do you want to go to a museum tomorrow or do you want to go to the pub tomorrow? (laughs) Their responses are very different. (laughs) Yes. What was the name of the book again, Rob? So that's called Shakespeare's Local by Pete Brown. It came out about 10 years ago. Well, let's pop that on the shelf and look forward to another tome next week. But it's not just the library we're filling up, Sarah. We've got a jukebox in the moon underwater. And what we need from you is an album, and I can guarantee you, and I won't break this promise, this album will always be played at the right volume to hide a fart. (laughs) (laughs) So what would be your uh, ideal pub album? Well, I think because you want to please a lot of people. That's the problem. So you can't have something that is too specific to your taste because it'll never get played, will it? So I, and knowing how much of a music fan you are, especially John, I thought you would really disapprove of what I'm about to say. <laughs> um, I'm choosing a compilation album. Not a problem. <laughs> is that okay? And I'm choosing, now that's what I call music, uh, six. <laughs> Six? Yeah. Uh, 1980, that was 1985 or 86? I had it on double cassette and it starts, you'll like how it starts. It starts with Queen One Vision. Yeah. And I mean, what a great way to start any tape. There'll be people listening to this who don't even know what I'm talking about now. And it's just banger after banger. It really is. Sarah, I'm so pleased you've selected Now That's What I Call Music Six because I'm going to take us through the track list. I've just got it up. Released on the 25th of November, 1985. And Robin, you're going to love this. So track one, One Vision by Queen. Track two, When a Heart Beats, Nick Kershaw. Love Nick Kershaw. Track three, A Good Heart by Fergal Sharkey. Good. Track four, There Must Be an Angel, Eurythmics. Excellent. Alive and Kicking, Simple Minds. Great. It's Only Love, Tina Turner with Brian Adams. Okay. Empty Rooms by Gary Moore, Lavender Blue, Marillion, Nikita, Elton John. Love it. Running Up That Hill, Kate Bush. My God, this is really good. This sounds like one of the CDs you get on the cover of Mojo. (laughs) Uh, Something About You, Level 42. (laughs) We Don't Need Another Hero, Tina Turner, Don't Break My Heart, UB40, Separate Lives by Phil Collins. And um, I'll just pick a few other highlights. Uncle Sam by Madness, You're My World, The Communards, Single Life by Cameo, and Body Rock by Maria Vidal. I was 10. I was 10 when I bought that. What 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 now album do you think they're up to now, Sarah? Without oh, without kind um, of... Because uh, this, I always find, makes one feel incredibly old. I mean, cause they, <laughs> I think they come out more often now, maybe. I don't know. Is it still... Was it one a year? It used to be one a year, I think. It can't be one a year unless they've been going since Queen Victoria died. <laughs> <laughs> Which maybe they have, I don't know. So I reckon it's 112. Yeah, 100 and something. Close, close, so, close. 
Yeah, I might say 106 just because it's like six. It's 107. Shut up. 107. Oh, my God. And I bet if I listened to one now, I wouldn't know anything on it. <laughs> yeah, it would just be Touch My Bum from start to finish. <laughs> but I think everyone has their kind of now album because mm. there was one me you, me and John and our friend Sam loved. I can't, well, I can't remember the number, but it had like... Um, it had Constant Craving by KD Lang on <gasps> yeah. it. Classic. And it had um, Ugly Kid Joe, uh, Cats in the Cradle. Nice. And Crash Test Dummies. Mm. Yeah. So we're talking like 91, 92. It's now 24. Oh. 24. It's had a blue cover. <laughs> yeah. And it's got um, Informer by Snow, Shaggy by O Carolina. But it also had Is It Like Today by World Party. Oh, that's a great song. It's one of my favourite songs. And I've, I've misremembered that it had crash test dummies that must have been on another one uh well i think now's that's what i call music six is a superb choice oh, for a pub jukebox i actually think it's one of the best choices we've had because <laughs> yeah. i just it needs to appeal to all apart from young people because <laughs> i'm not really bothered yeah. about So now it's time for your wild card drink. That's anything not covered by any of the previous choices, Sarah. Can I have cans? Because I noticed there's bottles and there's spirits and there's... Can I have a can of ginger beer, old Jamaica ginger beer, please? Because often, as a not very much drinker, it's it's really boring. Often you are Coke or orange or... I mean, I don't really like buying water outside in a pub, you know, when it's free from the tap. So something, a, a different version of a soft drink is always exciting. And a ginger beer, it's one of the best things about Scotland is that their chip shops have ginger beer just par for the course. Of course they do. So a, a, a classic old Jamaica, not one of the ones where they've said, oh, it's extra hot. And no, 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 just a, a regular Old Jamaica ginger beer, please. Well, I think that's a great choice. And I was thinking about this today because I've recently been drinking a lot of non-alcoholic beer, sort of 0% or 0.5%. And uh, I was trying today from um, from Dry Drinker. It was a, a non-alcoholic oat milk mocha stout. And it wasn't, wow. it wasn't for me, but I thought if you were not drinking... Or if you were teetotal, or if you were driving, to have something interesting in a pub, which you could actually try for the first time and go, "Oh, that's that's a bit different." It would make the experience so much better as a non-drinker. And I then came up with the idea that you know you have on some pubs they'll have a sign saying this is this pub is cask mark approved, so someone's been in there and checked that their beers are kept at the right temperature and they're fresh and stuff. I think pubs. There should be a scheme whereby you have something like a, a, a teetotal qualification or a non-drinker's certificate to say that this pub, A, doesn't overcharge for Coke and mixers. It has more than four different soft drinks and it has more than, say, five different non-alcoholic uh, beers and ciders. And you would know going into that pub if you were a non-drinker that there was going to be something of interest for you and a bit of a selection. I like a mocktail. I do drink a lot of mocktails when I'm out and about. And when I'm on tour, often a hotel bar is somewhere where I'll say... Because barmen, in, I think in hotel bars, quite like it if you say 
surprise me. So I'll say non-alcoholic, surprise me. And I'll get something that is just various different things chucked together. And it's and I'll say fruity, not milky, because sometimes people think you want. I did have a virgin colada once and it was absolutely vile. <laughs> so something fruity. <laughs> and it's nice because then you feel like you're joining in with the drinkers rather than having... Oh, I'll have an orange. Oh, God. So, yeah, I think that would be great to have a, a minimum amount of non-alcoholic drinks would be great. Yeah, because every time if you are into beer, you go into a pub and you might see a new beer and you think, oh, I'll give that a try. But if you're drinking soft drinks, you're never going to go, oh, I'll try their Coke. <laughs> I'll see what their Coke's like, because you, you already know what it is you're going to taste. Now then, this pub of yours, we've nailed down the selection. You've got Draft Coke and John Smith's. You've got Teachers, Pink Gin, you've got Hooch and Mirage, <laughs> oh, and maybe a little, is there going to be a little pub garden that's made into a playground so it feels like you're kind of <laughs> drinking your Mirage and Hooch in its natural domain? It's a nice idea, I like it. Hooch and Mirage sounds like a kind of cop show. With, with, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> you've then got Old Jamaica, uh, Old Jamaica Ginger Beer, but what do you want to see when you walk into this pub? Is it going to be, is it sort of lots of wood? Is it more modern? Is it leather? Um, I think beams, some low ceilings and some beams. I think that would be really nice. Um, sort of old, but not trying to be old, just actually old, as opposed to desperately trying to look like it's been there for a lot longer than it has. Um, and... No sign of children, so no toys or buggies. <laughs> you speak or... in my language. If I walk into yeah. the foyer of a pub and there's high chairs or buggies parked, walking back out, not interested. It's not. It's not for kids. And if you're, oh, but what about the mums and dads? You decided to have kids. <laughs> that comes you made with, your choice. yeah, that comes with certain things you have to let go, and fun is one of them. You know, <laughs> cash is another. Uh, so no children. If you want, you can have an annex that you can put the kids in, as long as it's soundproofed and sealed, so that I don't want them coming through. No. Um. So yeah, I think, I think, basically an old man's pub, but clean. <laughs> You're barred. We may have preempted what you're about to choose, but you are allowed to bar one thing from your pub. Well, if I could bar young people in general as well, so not just children, but maybe 25 and under. Is that all right? I think that's a, so anyone under the age of 25. And do you know what? That's a very clever way of A, banning annoying young people but maybe not pissing off the parents too much because they're not going to immediately see that and go, oh, what what problem have you got with my kids? Yeah. It's like, I've got a problem with all kids, mate. Yeah. And even though your kids are adults and have got kids of their own, I don't like them either. <laughs> I mean, you're also banning students unless they're in the kind of last year of their PhD. Oh, well, can we just ban anybody who's got a PhD as well? <laughs> <laughs> just to cover all. <laughs> The test to get into your pub, Sarah, were you born under a Blair administration or later? Yes, I was. Sorry, you're not coming in. Yeah. Are, are you pre-now 50? Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, we should do it by now. What's your now album? Do it all by now albums. We could maybe get a little bit of sponsorship from them if they're still going. So. Okay, a superb choice. So it's a... But it's not an over-25s pub because that gives it a different sort of vibe, <laughs> no. doesn't it? Yeah, that's... 
that's a lot of divorcees. So just to tie a uh, little bow in this, the Now album that we are restricting people is Now 35. So Now 35 was released on the 18th of November 1996. It includes Flavour by Peter Andre, Say You'll Be There, Spice Girls, Breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, Deep Blue Something, and You're Gorgeous by Baby Bird. Which has got dodgy undertones, that, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, it does. But skirt over that. It's fine. And Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House. So basically, if you were born after the release of Now 35, you are not allowed in Sarah Millican's Dream Pub. And you could just say that. What is your what is your first memory of Now albums? And if people say, oh, Now 82, get out. Not interested. I think I don't, I don't think we want to kick people out. We just want to sort of whisper in their ear, you're, you're not going to like it. <laughs> And you know, just yeah, it's not for you. Poison their mind, and they just walk away. That's a great you idea. Know. You'd be such a good bouncer. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. for you. <laughs> you just re- it's not. They're playing crash test dummies in there. You're not going to like it again. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, please! It's time. Sarah, it's almost time for you to wander into the vast emerald beyond. Uh, but we need a name for your pub because you're going to take it with you and it'll be yours whenever you need it the most. Uh, perhaps on tour when you're staying over somewhere and you're just feeling a little bit bleak and lonely, your pub will reveal itself to you. So what are you going to call it? Bleak and lonely is a is a common touring uh, feeling, isn't it? <laughs> bleak and lonely. Yes. Um, I So I have two names and I'd like you guys to choose between the two, if that's OK. OK. So... I don't like getting drunk, but I quite like it when I feel giggly. So I was going to call it maybe either the giggling dog because we have a dog who we can't take into dog friendly pubs because he himself is not dog friendly. Uh, Right. Yeah. Okay. So he barks at all of the dogs. He's happy in a pub. But only if this. So my rule would be there's only one dog allowed and it's my dog um, who probably to be on to be upstairs asleep anyway. I know you're not a fan of dogs. We could pretend it was a cat if you like, John. Um, although most people who've met... Could you dress him up as well, a cat, maybe? Most people who've met Mike... I have a cat and a dog, and most people who've met them, even cat lovers, prefer the dog because the cat can be an arsehole. <laughs> I was once doing a gig, sitting in this very seat, and he climbed up the shelving beside me and landed on my face and ripped just... It's claws out down my face like Scooby Doo oh, legs God. and came down. So yeah, I think even you'd prefer my dog. My dog is adorable, but we could dress him up as a cat if that makes you happy. Yeah, but in that situation, a dog owner would say, "Oh, he's just saying hello." <laughs> People judge cats by harsher criteria, I think. They do, but also because I always say when the dog barks at people, which he does bark at everybody, I say um, he's a rescue because he is, and that means he's got a complicated past which he hasn't his owner died and we got him that's all that happened but it's people think that he's had a terrible life and they forgive him being barky he's harmless um so yeah a dog dressed as a cat so the giggling dog or um just because of my roots maybe the champion arms which sounds like a nice positive place to go and maybe that would keep the younger people away because it's a bit of an older person's word i suppose in terms of um an, an adjective as opposed to um, a, a champion, which my book was called How to Be Champion. And some people think it's called How to Be a Champion. You know how I've got all those Olympic medals? Follow me. Yeah. You're, a, you're one of the most respected decathletes of your generation. <laughs> so you've got a choice. Which do you prefer? 
Well, this goes very against my brand, because like you say, I'm not a dog person, but I do like the giggling dog as a name. What do you think, Robin? I like the champion arms. Um, So we might be betwixt the twain here. I do like how that's got a kind of nice, as you say, old man pub vibe. But um, John, you you, you cast the deciding vote. I'm going to say the giggling dog, because I think you've got a nice story behind that name about the fact only your dog's allowed in. The fact you like to giggle but not get too drunk, which, of course, we condone absolutely here. Uh, drink responsibly. Drink giggly Yeah, is a good I rule. Because some people get to giggly and then think, oh, well, I'm obviously going to keep going because it's going to get more giggly. And it doesn't. It gets crying. It gets vomiting. It gets put in a taxi home. Yeah. Whereas if you can keep the giggling up and just, you know, soft drink here and there to keep the giggling going, it's a great night. Well, Sarah, it's been a delight uh, to talk to you. Thank you so much for giving us a pub with a bit of room without too many people that can cover the sound of our farts and play (laughs) us some of the great early 90s slash late 80s hits. Oh, no, mid 80s, 1985 Mm. uh, on Now 6, where you will find no one under the age of 25 but you will find one person under the age of 25, which is Sarah Millican's giggling dog. <laughs> Tuvok. It's called Commander Tuvok. <laughs> Commander Tuvok, the giggling dog. And to play Sarah out as she returns to the real world with her pub of choice, what song from Now Six would you like? Oh, Now, this is tricky because you read so many good ones out, but I did do a screen grab of... Hold on, hold on. Of the playlist, I'm going to do Gary Moore, Empty Rooms. I've not heard it in so long. Yeah, and also a great name uh, for a song to be played in your pub that's big enough that you don't have to listen into other people's conversations because you want a few empty rooms. So to play out Sarah Millican with our deep gratitude for visiting the Moon Underwater, it's Gary Moore with Empty Rooms. Well, there you go. It's time at the bar for all of you uh, audio interlopers. And um, Robin and I will remain here, perhaps to see what the night has to offer. Mm. But uh, we would like to thank Sarah Millican for her company. We do hope you enjoyed listening to her perfect pub. And next week, do we have a treat in store for you? It's Danny Wallace, the yes man. Yes. Will he say yes to a pint? Will he say yes to a half? Yeah, he, yes, he will. Yes, to yes both. he will. I've just started doing Couch to 5K with Sarah Millican's voice. Oh. It's brilliant. She's very encouraging. Oh, yeah, Sarah is very encouraging. It's fantastic. Oh, good for you for doing Couch to 5K. How far away from the couch are you? Fuck in hell. Not, I mean, <laughs> still on it, to be fair. It's hard. I forgot exercise is incredibly painful. But, I'm, you know, it's great. And, I'm, and yeah, I, I can recommend Sarah Millican's voice. Well, folks, do download Sarah's voice on the Couch to 5K. Uh, and maybe get, we'll get Danny Wallace to record one as well. Um, but we're looking forward to welcoming him here to the Moon Underwater. So do take care and send any correspondence to john at moonunderpod.com.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 